Hello, thanks for joining. This is Proof of Change brought to you by ChangeDAO. This is a space to elevate the stories of changemakers using NFTs as a force for change. My name is Drew Simon. In this episode, we continue our recap series on NFT Storyteller Seattle, an event dedicated to bringing together the community to celebrate stories of change. We share with you the interview hosted by David All, ChangeDAO's founder and host of NFT Storyteller Seattle, and Lennox Mansinde, the co-founder of NFT Seattle and builder of Satoshi's Index. Now, before we dive into the story, I wanted to take a moment to thank our friends at NFT Go for helping make this podcast happen. NFT Go is an all-in-one NFT analytics platform that includes NFT alpha by ranking, rarity, whale tracking, drops, calendar, and more. They're a huge supporter of ChangeDAO, so make sure to check them out at nftgo.io. And now, on to the story. Before Lennox came on stage to lead off the storytelling for the evening, the event opened up with some beautiful music from local artist and frontman of Blackheart Honeymoon, Ian Prebo. So I thought Ian could help us lead into Lennox's story of change. So I have a story to tell you about Lennox. Lennox is actually the reason why I decided to give this event, to create this event. Um, because, you know, Mark and Lennox both put on this great event around uh, NFT, Seattle NFT, NFT Seattle. And before the event, I was like, I want to learn more about Lennox and what's going on and Mark and like learn who these folks are. Like, what, where do they come from? Why are they doing this? Um, and typical event organizers don't really share their story. Uh, they, they are busy organizing and telling everyone else's story. And so I started diving into Lennox's story and I was just blown away. And I was just really overwhelmed with like how much love I was feeling for Lennox and like his story and how much community building and organizing and work he's doing. Um, and also I was like really torn about how I could share that story in a way that was like worthy of the story that needs to be told tonight. And so thank you for joining us. Like you guinea pig. Like I remember coming up to you and being like, I don't want to do a Twitter interview. I have to do a live event. And so thank you very much. Thank you for doing this, man. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, you know, I, I dive pretty far into your story, Lennox. Uh, just to introduce you, so you're the co-founder of um, uh, Satoshi's Index and NFT Seattle, um, but also uh, a DJ that spends house music, um, Airbnb owner, kind of doing a number of entrepreneurial things on the side, and also work in one of the big corporations. Uh, here in town and everything else. So welcome to NFT Storytellers, the very first story that we're going to tell tonight. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, I'd like to learn more about Satoshi's Index NFT, which you call a token-gated SaaS platform. Obviously, the name is a nod to the synonymous author of the Bitcoin white paper, Satoshi Nakamoto. So that's where I'd like to start. What inspires you about Bitcoin and why is Web3 and cryptocurrency so crucial to the world? That is a question that I think we need a lot more time to really do justice. But in a nutshell, I think cryptocurrency creates a game-changing new paradigm that we haven't really had it. We haven't really had before in the world where um, the typical 
gatekeepers of wealth across the globe have kind of seen their power shaken up and that power handed back to just the community, the people. So in a, in a nutshell, that's what cryptocurrency does. It just removes that like centralized control of wealth and enables regular people to continue propagating their own wealth creation. So that's why I'm so excited about crypto. All right, cool. And let's dive a little bit deeper into Satoshi's Index. So Satoshi's Index, for those who may want to check it out, it blends DeFi and NFTs, something we're seeing happen quite a bit now. Um, but this was like one of the earlier ones. So the NFT is required to use the platform, uh, which provides access to the wild world of decentralized finance. In my opinion, this blends culture and even art to make the opportunities we see in DeFi more accessible. So it's maybe a bridge for those to start learning and getting more involved with DeFi. So I'd love to hear more about how and why you link these two concepts instead of just focusing on, say, a Robinhood app or a PFP project. Yeah, so when I first came up with the idea of um, an NFT uh, that gives you access to something more, I think it was at a time where a lot of NFTs were just JPEGs that really didn't offer a lot of utility. And I was thinking, what kind of utility can we pack in an NFT to really push the bounds of what an NFT can deliver to anyone, like in terms of real world value? And my background, part of my background is in day trading, building like trading algorithms and machine learning models. So it was only natural that I would draw upon my own experience. So that's where that started. But also, like I mentioned, crypto, crypt, I've been in crypto since 2017, started trading Ethereum sometime when it was like probably 99 bucks or something. So it's been a fun ride. And, you know, I've been blessed to just really do well with that particular asset. And I, I come from a, a place where uh, you can't really trust the government with your finances. Like the I come from a country called Zimbabwe where there's the banking system collapsed, the whole financial system collapsed. And that was because the power to control wealth was in the hands of the government. So... Along comes this concept of cryptocurrency, and it's this thing that was kind of um, abstracted away from like the centralized powers, like the governments. So I got really excited because no matter if you're in Zimbabwe, you're in Seattle, you're in Lagos, Nigeria, you could just continue accumulating wealth. So that's why I decided, okay, I'm going to create something that allows people to build their wealth in crypto. Hence Satoshi's Index, which I can dive into a little later. Well, before you do that, let's take a step back because you brought up Zimbabwe. And actually, one of the themes for tonight is with all three speakers, uh, the golden thread coming through all of our stories and actually through my own story is that I wasn't born here and I wasn't raised here. And uh, that's something I think that is interesting about the NFT and Web3 community for folks in Seattle to realize that people are coming to Seattle, they're building, they're creating new things that are leading edge. So I'd love to hear your backstory. Again, another thing that we probably need the whole day for. <laughs> but so I grew up in a small country, like I mentioned, called Zimbabwe. For those that don't know, it's right above, sits right above South Africa at the southern portion of Africa. Uh, I lived there till I was 19. Went to this, uh, I was at this boarding school uh, for this all-boys Catholic boarding school. One of the worst experiences of my life, but it made me who I am today. 
when my parents decided that they were going to relocate to South Africa, the actual country, because the country we were living in was just kind of falling apart. So they left me in that boarding school, and I would visit them during the holidays. And sometime around 15, 16, God gave me this vision that I needed to escape the third world and somehow make it into the developed world for me to become the person that I was created to be. So it took me, my mom came on board right away, but it took me a couple of years to convince my dad that this was a good idea. He just was not having it. Uh, But eventually he came on board and we basically made this deal where if I could find a school in America where the cost of attendance uh, was subsidized by scholarships and all that kinds of stuff and I could, you know, he could afford to send me to America, he would consider, you know, buying me a plane ticket. So that's what I did. I basically applied to every every university in this country, I think, um, and ended up uh, getting a combination of scholarships and grants and stuff to go to Minnesota State University, Moorhead. For those that don't know where Moorhead, Minnesota is, it's on the border of Fargo, North Dakota, and Minnesota, like four hours from Winnipeg, Canada. My campus was rated the coldest college campus in America. So I say that just to give you context. I came from sub-Saharan heat to like 30 below with wind chill, with like snow between like October and like June or something. It was insane. But that's how I knew that was going to be like just my foot in the door. And I mean, I wouldn't trade it for a while. But that's kind of where I started and then ran away from Minnesota, transferred to Boise State, uh, graduated with my computer science degree, and then moved to Seattle in 2016. Tell me more. Which part? So, 2016 Seattle. Okay, so yeah, moved to Seattle, 2016. Yeah, back to U-Haul. Uh, all my stuff uh, from Boise, drove to Seattle. Um, I wanted to move to L.A. or Silicon Valley or New York, uh, but this eight-hour drive to Seattle just seemed so accessible. I'm like, you know what, why not? Started out at a, as a network automation engineer at T-Mobile Corporate. Uh, did that for a little while. And um, I, I'm so I, this whole time, like, when I started, I was on a student visa. And they allow you to, like, work for a little while after you graduate. So I did that. And uh, in 2017, I transitioned to Starbucks Corporate. They sponsored my actual work visa. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing that, like, professionally. So I'm still at Starbucks. It's been really awesome company they really live out their mission and values and they're very immigrant friendly so as you can imagine immigration is pretty challenging in this country so to have a big multinational corporation that's like really supporting you along this journey has been pretty awesome courage the courage to leave the courage to build the courage to come to seattle out of nowhere and pack up the u-haul it is really your courage as a change maker and like in my research of you I stumbled across uh, a Seattle Times article from 2017, which now I realize is one year after you moved here. And uh, yeah, you had joined up with Airbnb and the Seattle chapter of the NAACP to raise awareness about discriminatory practices in the short-term rental marketplace. So I want to personally acknowledge the courage it takes to be a change maker and to stand up for these important issues. And it's that action that you took that really inspired me to bring folks together in the room tonight to learn from one another and grow our connection to greater causes. And so I'd love to hear from you, and if you're willing to share, what are the challenges that you've had to overcome in Web3? Yeah, so Web3 is actually pretty interesting because I feel like 
it actually removes a lot of the barriers that exist in all these other vehicles of you know wealth accumulation, like real estate, for example. Uh, and just for context on what David's talking about, one of the things I do is I, I invest in real estate. Um, and one of the strategies I do is I do short-term rentals. And in 2017, I partnered up with Airbnb and the NAACP um, because in, I don't know if, how much history you guys know about Kent County, but there's not a lot of people of color that own property in Kent, in Kent County. There's been a lot of gentrification and it's, yeah, long story short, uh, it's something, something's off there. And I, I wanted to use my voice and my story as a way to share to the community, you know, people of color, different ways or strategies that can get you into these assets, into real estate, um, without, you know, necessarily having to break the bank. And that's what Airbnb does, right? You get to subsidize your housing and all kinds of stuff. And it creates opportunities for people that would have been excluded from this vehicle of wealth accumulation to, to build wealth. So uh, Airbnb reached out to me um, and yeah, they, we did all, all that. So that was pretty cool. But a direct answer to your question, honestly, the only barrier I've seen is just, you know, I mean, it's not a barrier to, to me personally, but the only barrier I can really point to is a, a lack of curiosity in people. Because the good thing with, with Web3 is really a creator's economy that you're rewarded for actually doing and taking action. So I, 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 I know we, there's, like with, with any kind of established systems, you know, people, uh, underrepresented communities, women, people of color tend to not be invited into certain conversations. And I do think to a certain degree that's been the case in Web3. But I, I think of all the different things that we've seen pop up, Web3 is the one opportunity that has more of an even playing field, no matter what you look like, whether you're man, woman, person of color or not. So I think it's there's less barriers. Thank you for sharing. NFT Seattle. Anyone here go to the event? Yeah, yeah, I see the hands going up. Uh, so, you know, this was a smash hit. So, you know, congratulations. We'll hear from Mark later as well. But, you know, this was your first event. <laughs> and thank you for putting it on for all of us. I know how much work it was. <laughs> um, you know, so we'll get to hear from Mark later tonight. But I'd love to learn your perspective, your vantage point on putting this event on for the community and how it, like, fit into your story. Yeah, I mean... And I know Mark and I have been joking about this since the start, but I, I, I don't think there could have been two more unqualified people to put on NFT Seattle. Um, I, I have a line that like Mark and Kat have probably heard a billion times, but I often say, like, I have never even hosted a dinner party, which is true. Never hosted a dinner party. And here I am like, hey, we should do this conference. So um, it, was, it was one of those... Um, things where I, I knew that I was going to personally grow a lot. So just selfishly, like I, I knew I was going to learn a ton and I could see a different version of me on the other side of this. Um, and I remember we had, Mark and I had a lot of conversations when we were deciding if we should do this or if we were the right people to do this. And the, the theme between the two of us was just, and I'm still talking about like just selfishly, what, 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 what was in it for us? The theme was we're going to learn a ton. We're going to grow. Uh, but more specific, like more dominantly, the city needs it. And 
that became so overwhelming that, you know, no matter how stressful and how much anxiety it, it, it evoked, we knew that this was something that had to be done. And because everyone we talked to kept saying, well, I always thought, you know, someone's going to have to do this eventually. And you hear enough people say that. And it's like, all right, well, why not us? I guess we're here now. So, um, I mean, you were part of those conversations early on when we were trying to figure out, okay, what does this actually look like? Uh, is this a good idea? Like, what's it going to take? And, yeah, I think you were one of those people like, yeah, we need this. This needs to happen. So, from my, I mean, my personal vantage point, bringing the people together, really dispelling a lot of these myths that are in the Web3 space, like, what are, what are NFTs, what, what, what are NFTs not, that's a story that needed to be told. So, that's... Yeah, to, that's kind of where I'm coming from. It was a beautiful event, so if you get a chance uh, next year, hopefully, I don't think they've made any announcements or anything, but, um, you know, I would go to any event that you guys organize now or, you know, in the future. So congratulations, it's a great event. And events are not easy. And what I'd love to, you know, I mean, a lot of people, like, just maybe see the event, they don't even know who did it, just think it's, like, magic, but this is, like, the builders and creators, and so I kind of like to dive into the process a little bit for folks and talk about, well, this didn't exactly go as we planned, <laughs> and uh, you guys had to change the date at one time, uh, the markets completely collapsed, um, I mean, I think that crypto was, like, going out of business at, at one yeah, there was a boat cruise, something was going to happen <laughs> for like 40 grand or something, whatever they wanted. Um, but, you know, look, I'd love to hear like some of the challenges that came up, but also maybe some of the like those magical, unexpected things that happened that made it all worth it. Oh, man, there was a lot of miracles uh, late in, in the NFT Seattle story. But I mean, the challenges are anything you would, you know, think of. Um, we are in a, in a recession, a very real recession, and uh, we were like knee deep in the crypto winter. So like events, you know, events are hard. That's, that's a given, but events cost a lot of money. And, um, you know, Mark and I jumped into this with a lot of just like optimism, uh, probably a little too much optimism uh, at times. Um, but, you know, we fronted a bunch of capital and we're like, yeah, sponsors. Yeah, sponsors will come. Uh, no, they did not come. So that was probably one of the most difficult battles. And for me personally, because I've never never had to ask for money. I've always just been this, I'm going to figure this out on my own type of deal. But <clears throat> what NFT Seattle did for me is it put me in this position where I had to learn how to like talk to people and like raise capital and all that stuff. So yeah, I would say the biggest thing was just really casting the vision to, to potential sponsors, to all these different companies uh, and man, we just, we went through so much, you know, there's, there's a ton of rejection, right? Whether it's on LinkedIn and person emails where you're like 10 conversations deep with someone and right at the last minute, it's like, nope, there's, this doesn't materialize. So yeah, it definitely kind of wears on you like emotionally and mentally. Um, so I would say that's gotta be like the biggest one. Um, and that's, that's even tied to like speakers and that kind of thing, because, in the event space, you want to bring in the, the best speakers, but the best speakers either require a ton of money or they're trying to figure out what companies are already part of the event. But then you go talk to the companies and they want to know who's speaking. And it's this chicken and egg thing where like as a, as a, as a startup event, like a year one event with no established track record, you know, 
in a global recession and in a crypto uh, bear market, it was very, very difficult to overcome. So to the other side of your question, some of the like miracles or the like highlights, you know, um, those few companies that did believe in us, you know, um, the few yeses we did get um, that I think that really just just put a lot of wind in our sails. And from there, I think once we got our first like batch of real sponsor dollars in, um, things slowly started to fall in place and then speakers started to fall in place. I think the most significant breakthrough from like uh, just programming standpoint was uh, Tom Bilyeu, our keynote, agreeing to come on board, which when when Mark and I started this journey, we're kind of like mapping out our, our ideal wish list of speakers. We had Gary Vee and Tom Bilyeu. Uh We didn't have any idea how we were going to get either of those two. Um, there's a story around Gary Vee. Didn't end up happening. He wanted a quarter million dollars to come and speak. Uh, we didn't have that. Uh, but, yeah, Tom is just such an amazing person who is tied to Mark and I's story, just personally and corporately. So for him to say yes, that was just a major miracle. And obviously when this billionaire entrepreneur is confirmed, you've got a bunch of other speakers that are now wanting to be associated with that event. So it's, yeah, there's just a few different things, a few inflection points in this journey where, you know, things just really worked out. Miracles. All right, so thank you for sharing your story with us tonight and uh, and doing your part to build our Web3 community. And before I get to my last question, I want to sort of make a, a an important distinction because I've organized a lot of events and I think a lot of people in this room have been to events that I create. Um, but I've also been to a lot of like these new NFT style events and yours felt very different. It felt very much like the community. I felt a lot of love and like, I felt just like the community was there like showing up. And so I don't, I would just like to like kind of note if like you guys had hoped that that would be the case or did you design for it or was it just a fluke? It was definitely not a fluke. <clears throat> I will say, just plug to my co-founder Mark here, uh, whether it's a company or an event, what I've noticed is the culture of the thing you give birth to is an extension of the culture of the founders. So um, I think really early on, Mark and I were aligned in like our values and what we wanted this to be and what it was not. And it was really about the community. It was always about the community from the start. Uh, the community and education as an extension to that community aspect. So in a nutshell, it was always about the community. So I think you can, I mean, I, I would hope that like anyone who talked to us about the event could feel that. Uh, and it was so beautiful on the day to see how that manifested because it really was intentional, like all the way from the start, how we, how we picked speakers, um, how we did the programming, um, and just those little things that we tried to do to like to surprise and delight and just create opportunities for people to connect because that's that's the whole point. So it was definitely not a fluke. It was intentional. Uh, but I, I'm just, you know, I'm just happy. I was just so like happy to see it all come together and people really just connect in that way. Because you're right. There's a lot of conferences that we go to where that's not there. And these are big events where people have way more resources and reach than we did. So. And I think it also speaks to the city itself, like the city of Seattle. Like people were just, you know, there was no Seattle freeze at NFT Seattle, yeah. right? So I think that's a testament to the type of people that showed up, like all of you guys who were there. 
So yeah, that's how I would answer that. All right. Well, thank you very much. Your story is one that many of us in the room and listening, wherever you are in the world, uh, can relate to. Uh, sort of balancing your day job with side gigs, uh, you know, building Web3 products that bridge NFTs and DeFi, uh, and organizing community through large-scale events. If one person in the audience needed to hear a bit of encouragement tonight, what is it you can share? Um, yeah, one piece of an encouragement. If I had to summarize at least what I think is my 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 the ethos of my life or the thesis that like dominates it, my life that I obsess over is follow your curiosity. Um, I think you know we hear a lot about following your passions and passions are great, but I had this like aha moment in the last couple of months when I realized that you know telling someone to follow their passion is 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 an incomplete story because passion is built. So trying to tell someone who's starting from scratch to follow something that they really have no insight into is doing them a disservice, but rather curiosity is free, right? So I would just encourage anyone that has any ideas or anything that's on their heart, follow your curiosity because out of that curiosity in the process of following your curiosity, passion is formed. And once passion is formed, it becomes much easier to attach yourself to that passion. So that's it. Follow your curiosity. Beautiful bit of wisdom. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thanks for putting this on. And thank you guys for showing up. This is awesome. Thanks so much for listening in. And a big thank you to Lennox for sharing their story of change and to David for hosting NFT Storyteller Seattle. This podcast is brought to you by ChangeDAO and is produced by me, your host, Drew Simon, founder of Crypto Altruism. Thank you to David All for his production support and to Soul Monster for the beautiful graphics design for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a fair review for our podcast, and make sure to visit changedow.org to follow along, and check us out on Twitter at changedow. For those listening in, I hope you'll join us for our next episode where we welcome another extraordinary changemaker and continue this movement of change one story at a time.